Calling all writers, this is a message for anyone who thinks that they can stump Joe with a story. Whether you could write a story that you think that Joe will think is true, or know of a story that's so ridiculous that he may think it's fake, please send them in to allegedly.podcast at gmail.com. And if your story is selected, at the very end of the podcast, we will give you credit once it's revealed to be either true or false. So please feel free to write us your stories or send us a true story at allegedly.podcast at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you. Hello and welcome back, listeners, to the Allegedly Podcast. My name is Alex, and with me always is Joe. Woo! Woo! So this is the podcast where I give Joe three stories, and he has to tell me which stories are real and which ones are made up. Today's theme is going to be... Prison. Oh, the funnest of themes. It It's all sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> Like, well, if Shawshank has taught me anything, yeah, yeah, you know, you get raped, you have to crawl through shit, but you do get to vacation in Mexico. So I'm hey, pretty, it all works got, out in the bed. He got to meet Morgan Freeman. So this is, yeah, I mean, I, it's, I mean, that, that, at it, at its very minimum, that's where it's at. And he did a lot of taxes too. So it was like, uh, yeah. dude, think about that. The worst part or the best part about that movie, right, is the fact that he got to do taxes. Like, that was his only <laughs> reprieve from fucking either getting raped or beat up by either the inmates or the guards. Like, that was his only reprieve, his taxes. <laughs> no, no one looked forward to April 15th more than Andy Dufresne. <laughs> <laughs> No, he he has it like marked on his calendar. Like, Ugh, I, w- I, w- <laughs> I wonder what tunnel le- where that tunnel leads behind that calendar. Oh God! Just, There's just he, a it's typewriter just, and a. <laughs> he goes behind the calendar and it just it's like a tunnel to shit, but it's like just a circular tunnel. There's no outlet. It's just you have to crawl through more shit. And it's like welcome <laughs> to the tax calendar hole. Like congratulations. <laughs> so, okay. This is my office. <laughs> Yeah, he's got a little typewriter in there too, and it's just right. Like no, no, are we finally just a straight w- W2, or do you, do we have a lot of expenditures to go through? <laughs> you know, you know, you can claim that as a dependent, right? <laughs> All right, so I got three stories lined up for you. Uh, you have to tell me which ones are real and which ones are made up. Um, one is real in this whole hodgepodge of real or fake. One is real, and we'll reveal those at the very end of the podcast, along with your guests. So you ready to go? Are you feeling good? I'm, f- I'm feeling great. Dude, last week you got 60% on the quickfire one, but you got 100% the week before that. So you're kind of like balancing out here. I'm like the stock market, dude. I'm up and down all over the place. <laughs> yeah, you're fluctuating hard lately. Like, <laughs> you're pretty steady. <laughs> I mean... I mean, I'm returning results, but people people are panicking week to week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody's just listening. They're like, he's either going to be on fire or why do we even be getting stuff? <laughs> All right, so here we go. First story takes place on May 21st, 1971. The 70s, right? Disco is coming in, and I don't know what the 60s <laughs> Nixon's is about out. to be out. Uh, yep, yep. 
Things are happening, right? Marshall Fitzpatrick was in the common room talking to the other inmate when a guard approached him to tell him that there are two detectives here to see him. Chris Mattinson and Gerald Hannigan were waiting in the quiet room, or what they'd call, you know, the meeting room, right? Right. After after Fitzpatrick entered the room, both guards looked at him for a moment and asked him to sit. One of the guards then questioned him, where were you on the night of May 16th? Um, asked Detective Madison. Marshall was surprised. Later interviews stated he thought it was a joke put on by the guards. Marshall explained that he has been, uh, he's he's serving out a six-month sentence for a drunk and disorderly charge, and he's only halfway through the sentence. <laughs> Detectives asked him again, where were you? In my cell, replied Marshall. And he's like, and he asked, what's this all about? Why, why do you need to know where I was? And the other, uh, Detective Madison then replied, you are the prime suspect in a murder charge. <laughs> Marshall Fitzpatrick. That's some solid that's some solid detective work. Oh, it took all resources to pinpoint. <laughs> Keep in mind this is the 70s, right? <laughs> this this guy sounds like the first suspect in a Law and Order episode, like the one they arrest 5 minutes in and you're just like, it's not this guy. Come on. Can't yeah, be this it, guy. You caught him red, too early. The red herring, right? Yeah. <laughs> And this is a set. They still smoke inside, I think. Like, there's some places that still allow smoking in buildings. So, the 70s. Oh, yeah. No, I remember places like in the 90s as a kid that you could still smoke. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, they still had smoking sections, right? Yeah, because apparently the invisible border between the smoking section and non smoking section uh, was safer. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. You're you're in the clear. They had they had laser beams back in the nineties that could shoot that right out of the air. All the cancer. <laughs> so Marshall Fitzpatrick, age thirty three, was a baker by trade, and he was hired by the Langsies Bakery in Vandalia, a suburb of St. Louis. Having marital issues, of course. Fitzpatrick Fitzpatrick struggled with a drinking problem. Wait, his name's Fitzpatrick, and he drinks. Yeah, <laughs> this is a new one. This is a new one. No, I know. I know. Buckle up. We're breaking stereotypes. Okay? <laughs> we're, we're, we're though, though, I will say Baker threw me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, look, ba- bakery has no nationalities. Everybody needs bread. So just saying. <laughs> well, you got to you got to soak up the alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to soak it up with something. <laughs> God damn. Just drink it straight. You, uh, yeah, yeah, and you're, and you're telling me this drinking can lead to marital problems. <laughs> yes. Okay. Apparently. In the one-off Fitzpatrick situation, it can lead to that, or be a byproduct. Learning a lot here. Learning a lot. Sorry, Joe. I didn't. I didn't know this was going to be a Discovery Channel episode, but <laughs> we have to teach some of these listeners something. There's no reason education can't be fun. <laughs> I know. The more you know, right? <laughs> so he was having marital issues. It was not uncommon to find Fitzpatrick on the side of the road or on a park bench, sleeping off the previous night. <laughs> I, I get the park bench. The side of the road is worrisome, honestly. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're going home and you just decide that curb looks nice. You know, like you're just like, I'm just going to rest my head for a bit. Don't want to walk too drunk. Hey, I mean, responsibility first. You know, at least he's not <laughs> in the road, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right. He's a safe alcoholic. <laughs> too many public intoxication citations. And he was sentenced to six months at Vandalia Correctional Center which is a minimum security prison since it was a nonviolent crime. Drunk and, and disorderly, but yeah, of course. Most likely red hair, too. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I mean let, let's let's just throw that out there. 
On the morning of May 17th, Maria Fitzpatrick, Marl's, uh, Marshall's wife, was found dead in her apartment, strangled to death. Witnesses said a man fitting Marshall's description was seen entering the residence and leaving in a hurry. This was news to Marshall as he was in prison for three months. And since, <laughs> since him and his wife were having marital issues, they were not speaking regular. Well, to be fair, you, you can't really talk back when you're choked. So. Yeah. Well, and, and let's, you know, with, with Marshall, let's hope that, uh you know, that wasn't making it. He didn't make all those jokes in prison like, oh, God, sometimes I just watch my <laughs> wife would just die, you know. And she wasn't his ex-wife. Right. They're just separated or taking a break. Exactly. So um, she's found dead, strangled, person fitting Marshall's description. All the evidence seemed to point to Marshall. His the prince, two, or, the, the one piece of evidence. No, no, they got more. Get this. His prints were found at the crime scene. What, what's his house? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so prints are found. And typically, when a spouse dies, the um the living one, the one that's st- still around, is the prime suspect. It, it all makes sense until you get to prison. <laughs> <laughs> the detectives were convinced that this was Marshall that killed her. They didn't know how he got out of it, but all the evidence pointed to Marshall. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to rag too hard on these detectives, but it does seem that a guy who couldn't make it to a park bench to fall asleep might not be able to escape prison. Right. <laughs> it, it, it's like it's like one of those it's like you know how in like police cop movies there's always kind of one shitty cop and one not really good cop bad cop but one kind of shitty cop and one adequate cop and usually like the shitty cop is like overweight and a little bit corrupt or like an old guy that's just like two days from retirement right it always always jumps to conclusions but the other cops never satisfied with the suspect yeah I feel in this situation, it was shitty cop and shitty cop, right? You got, like, the fat rookie that's just a little corrupt <laughs> and just, like, a piece of shit. And then the old guy that's like, I got two more weeks. You know, let's wrap this up as fast as possible. I don't have to do the paperwork. I'm out of here. Yeah, seriously. So, shitty cop, shitty cop. <laughs> the classic setup. <laughs> okay, so, the detectives were convinced that he was uh, able to bring out a... Convinced that since... Okay. The detectives were convinced that since this was a minimum security prison, there were many ways to break out and go unnoticed, right? Bread delivery truck. That's how I got out. The fucking baker skills kicked in. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Hey, prison needs bread too, right? <laughs> He's like, it's the Shawshank Redemption all over again. He's like, hey, I can make your bread for you. And the people are like, oh my God, <laughs> great bread. Oh, what? We should have arrested bakers sooner. This is yeah. wonderful. Yeah, I don't need to just sit on having really stale crap bread anymore. What What is that, brioche? Oh, yeah, you nice. can make sourdough? Holy oh. shit. Uh, I mean, during quarantine, I mean, I tried some starters, but this is just lovely. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> and so the, the cops were convinced that he was breaking out and that being convicted and jailed was his perfect alibi. Well. I mean, to be fair, it is a pretty good fucking alibi. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he wanted his wife dead. And, you know, what better excuse than I was locked in a prison cell. You know, I, I couldn't do it. It wasn't me. I mean, besides the whole, you know, having to escape from prison to pull it off, it is a, it's sound. Everything's sound. Very sound. No, I mean, perfect crime. 
Perfect, perfect crime, dude. It's Marshall almost too good to be true. Marshall Fitzpatrick is the Moriarty of our time. You know, <laughs> the Moriarty of the. He just so, he just drink, he drinks to keep his brain calm. That's all. It's like Sherlock, right? He does all those opioids just to kind of settle everything down. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> so as a result of the detective pushing uh, Marshall as a suspect and their theories that he broke out and it was a perfect alibi, they're worth twelve. Physical examinations and or audits performed on the prison itself to see if someone could break out of the jail. Even the popular escape artist, artist Francis Mamosh was brought in to, to demonstrate how he would break out. Dude, how big is this St. Louis Police Department fucking budget here? Yeah, seriously. Well, Good dude, God. this is <laughs> it's a smaller town like the suburb. I looked at it. It's it's, you know, a smaller place. So. I would assume it's not a huge budget, but I would also assume they don't get a shitload of murders because it's a minimum security. It's like right there. Right. So, so they're going they're going all out on the one they got this year. Yeah. Right. They're like, we got to figure this out um, for the two uh, for a two year period. The state decided to keep Marshall at the correctional center by extending his sentence. So he didn't get out. Holy and he shit. Was, yep. And he was later tried and convicted in court on July 22nd. 1973 for first degree murder did wait they, they did they prove did they ever prove he broke out of jail there was 12 there was 12 physical examinations they found evidence that there was possible because they brought in those francis mamosh guy too right. and he's like, like, like they might as well have brought in david fucking blaine like mm -hmm. do okay. no exactly like they they brought in some houdini motherfucker he's like this is how i do it and then he just disappears <laughs> Oh, um, he with a voice like that, he has to be an escape artist because <laughs> he's like, "Get me the handcuffs, <laughs> give me the give me the water." <laughs> oh, instead of abracadabra, <laughs> I mean, we brought in a bunny and a water tank, and that man got out of that prison in two hours flat. <laughs> He's the MacGyver of, like, escape artists. I'll break out of this prison. Wait. I just need a, some pantyhose and a roll of duct tape. Ah! <laughs> well, this isn't the sourdough bread Fitzpatrick was making. It's a baguette! Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, he changed the bread, too? <laughs> Little do you know that if you harden sourdough, it can break through bars! Ha! <laughs> uh, it's just, it's... <laughs> he made rope! <laughs> Yeah, it's exactly. He made bread rope. <laughs> he scaled the building. It's too easy, officers. How did you not see this before? <laughs> okay, so two years they kept him in, and then they ended up convicting him of first-degree murder. Marshall spent the next seven years of his life in the Stateville Correctional Center, which, uh, well, until he was released. Now, Stateville is a maximum security prison. So he was in there for six months. Then he got mm. his thing extended for two years while he was waiting, pending litigation, right? Got convicted, transported over to the Stateville Correctional Center, where he stayed there for seven years, maximum security prison for killing his wife. Hey, seven years ain't bad for murder, honestly. Well, listen to this. Until he was released due to his conviction being overturned in light of new evidence being uncovered. Bum, bum, bum. That some crazy French dude breaking out of a prison doesn't <laughs> fucking prove anything? Yeah. It was found through various correspondence and uh, eyewitness accounts that the owner of the privately owned Vandalia 
uh, Correctional Center, whose name was James Gunderson, so the owner, James Gunderson, was wanting to get state money to perform an emergency renovation to turn his minimum security prison into a maximum security prison. As maximum security prisons get the max um, tax, you know, tax cuts, they get funding, they get state allocated money to run. Makes more money. Oh, so he wanted to prove that this that it wasn't secure and yeah. Fitzpatrick's the scapegoat. So the only way that he could get state fund to do so is to justify an emergency chain. And they used the murder of Maria Fitzpatrick to say that the minimum security prison needed to be a maximum security prison. The renovations on the of the prison started the same year that Marshall's conviction was overturned and the plot was discovered. Oh shit. Maria's murder has yet to be solved. <laughs> shouldn't be laughing it's very dark <laughs> they literally allocated poline right yeah to pushing the idea that this guy broke out of fucking prison to murder his wife and went back to prison so that they could transition the minimum security <laughs> to a maximum <laughs> that, that that till right now didn't <laughs> didn't dawn on me so they're <laughs> saying he broke out of prison and then came back like if he could escape why wouldn't he just keep running <laughs> Exactly. But I mean, I know it's a good alibi, but I think they just wanted to prove that he could get out and back in without anybody knowing. So if he could do it and they could prove that there were physical, you know, vulnerabilities of the prison. Right. Then they can get state funding to make it a maximum security prison. Put, you know, more dangerous criminals in there, get more statewide funding, make a bigger prison, all that stuff. Oh, my God. Shady as shit, bro. So. And there's some other redheaded motherfucker just rolling around St. Louis choking bitches. Dude, seriously. There's a James, there's a, a Marshall Fitzpatrick <laughs> somewhere. Somewhere. Holy shit. Well, that's the first story. That one came at you hard. Right? Dude, that was a, dude, murder, SP, uh, you know, corruption. That's a good, that's a good start. That's a good start to the day. <laughs> dude, it's just, it's so fucking ridiculous. Like, goddamn. <laughs> okay so that is the first story coming at you hard just let it sink in just let it simmer and then Ooh. think about this next story coming up this one <laughs> is a little goofy all right on august 6 1980 okay or i'm sorry second story on august 6 1890 oh yeah a bit different that's a bit different little, yeah a little different <laughs> 10 years after or 10 years of legislation and legal wrangling right getting things ready william francis kembler became the first person to die by a new invention referred to as the electric chair. And this was all in the United States. Oh, so we're we're going real dark, huh? Okay. Yep. <laughs> oh, dude, this is next level. The state execution proved that a man could be killed deliberately by using an electric chair as a means to death. Right? You shock them, they die. They proved that. Kemmler's <laughs> execution and its aftermath were detailed in an article published by the New York Times um, on August 18th, 1890. Under the title, Warden... Durston's record, The Man Who Bungled the Kemmler Execution. <laughs> mm, oh, that's not a good title. No, no, it's it's definitely not. That that that, that does not give uh, you know, good feeling. <laughs> All right, so Kemmler, the reason why he's there, Kemmler killed his mother on March 29th, 1889. So not not a not a not a nice guy, right? Killed her with an axe and was Ooh, sentenced. Okay. Yeah, killed Ooh. her with an axe and sentenced to the death penalty on May. 13th 1889 you gotta love the expediency of these old courts i mean oh dude, within, dude. A, within a year holy shit <laughs> dude it was like you know t- like a month and a half like, it, like <laughs> fucking boom guilty done death <laughs> <laughs> william was sent to auburn prison in buffalo new york 
eight years earlier, Buffalo dentist Alfred, Alfred Southwick had conceived the idea. Okay, this is a fucking dentist, okay? Had conceived the idea of using electricity to execute people. Lawyers for Kendler, what, what, what kind of fucking dentist is this dude? Why is he thinking about that shit? <laughs> dude, I can imagine he's like the dentist from uh, Little Shop Horrors. Remember Steve Martin? <laughs> like the one that just likes to hurt people like that's the dentist i'm picturing in my head like riding a motorcycle oh. jumping off leather jacket you know what i mean <laughs> that's this guy <laughs> <laughs> so he had conceived a way to kill people using electricity lawyers for kemler appealed the electrocution death sentence because they claimed electrocution electrocution was cruel and unusual punishment the appeals process and this was 1890 right so that's a pretty that's pretty interesting that they could they we're appealing in that way, right? Hey, right. this is cruel and unusual. Don't fucking kill a guy by electrocuting him to death. Like, <laughs> right. we, ju- I mean, we got rid of slavery, you know, just a couple years ago. We're yeah, still 50 yeah. 50 on that one, but electrocution. Yeah, like, I mean, I, this guy is white, dude. Just keep that in mind, Kemler. <laughs> so, um, the appeals process went on for 18 months. An article of the New York Times described the execution in detail. There were 70 people in the crowd. Uh, at the execution, Kemmler was strapped into the chair and a metal device was put onto his head. Pretty standard, like, right? Sure. It was assumed that a hundred or 1,000 volts would be needed to induce unconsciousness and cause cardiac arrest. Okay, so they wanted to knock his ass out and give him a heart. So, After- so, it sounds like the numbers add up, yeah. <laughs> that was what it was assumed, right? I'm going to take it a step back because I think my notes got a little jarred. Sure, I'm going sure. to tell, tell you a little bit about the history. I'll probably swap this around. So just keep that in mind, right? They were just about to the switch on this dude. The development of the electric chair took place at the same time as the War of the Currents, fought between Edison's Electric Light Company and Westinghouse Electrical Company, or Electric Company. Thomas Edison assumed, or believed that, Direct current was the safest form of electricity, while George Westinghouse believed that alternating current was the safest. Both of these companies were very powerful and made many false claims about the form of electricity the other advocated. Right? Like, they'd show, I think, remember Thomas Edison fucking shocked that elephant? Right, yeah, yeah. And then uh, Nikola Tesla was working for Westinghouse. Yeah. Um, it tops and, then, it. and then it was, yeah, it was a, it was a huge, huge battle between, because I think, not to devolve too much, I mean, but uh, I think Nikola used to work for Edison, and then this started their rivalry. Yeah. That they, uh, Edison basically came up with direct current, and Tesla was like, no, nah, AC is the way to go. And I think they kind of their friendship fell out and it just devolved to two dudes, you know, going into like a public relations battle for fucking decades. Well, it's it's fucking hilarious because then Thomas Edison's like, you know how we can show that this shit's dangerous is we fucked it. You know, we shocked the shit out of an elephant, right? Right. Various other animals, too. Like, it wasn't just an elephant that he fucking electrocuted. So, goddamn. Okay, so (laughs) both both these companies made false claims. They also made many claims about their system or about why their system was safer. Westinghouse did not want its generators associated with the death penalty, so he would not sell uh, to the prison officials, right? Seems smart. Seems smart. That seems like a good good call. New York State commissioned Harold Brown to build the first electric chair. Edison was secretly – Edison secretly financed Brown's project because he wanted the electric chair to run on AC. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What a dick. Yep. So Westinghouse (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> Westinghouse and his direct current won the race 
and Owen and his Dirk Kern won the race and proved to be the most efficient means for execution. Nice. As I might have gotten this whole point. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Westinghouse was alternating current. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, in the end, it was, I think it was Brown. Yeah, yeah, that, that one with uh, direct current. Gotcha, gotcha. Or alternate current. He ran it on alternate. Sorry. After a series of failed public hangings, okay, <laughs> the Jerry Commission was formed in 1886 to find a more humane form of capital punishment. The death penalty commission was made up of three different people, Alfred P. Southwick, L. Elbridge, Thomas Gary, and Matthew Hale. So these these dudes are trying to figure out how to kill people. Questionnaires were sent to officials, lawyers, and medical experts to ask for their opinion. The questions were swayed towards electric, electrocution and did not include abolishing the death penalty. So it's like, <laughs> you know, the questionnaire was like, hey, guys, how do we fuck someone's shit up so they die? Not, you know, you know but humanely. Yeah, yeah, right? Like, like we need to kill somebody. How do we do it the fastest way possible? But, like, we want to give it some spectation. You know, we want to put on a show, too. Right. Like, How about how about the guillotine? Oh, that's fucking French. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah seriously. Uh, no, 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 no. I was thinking a chair that we'd strap him down to and put a lightning rod on his head. <laughs> I feel like if this, the natural progression from these sort of, like, events would lead to Running Man. The, you know, the old source name. <laughs> <movie. laughs> They're like, look, dude, like some dude on some, you know, has a ice hockey blade and he skates around. All he has to do is cut your head off. And then, you know, you don't feel nothing. It's humane, right? You don't get it. You get a chance to escape the humane way. Right. Like you, you, this is easy. By more murder. <laughs> murder. Murder. So, um, abolishing the death penalty, Edison recommended AC to be, uh, to be connected to the head and spine. Dogs and other animals as horses were used as test subjects. Oh my fucking god. Yeah, they strapped these bad boys in. They're like, well, it can kill a horse. It killed a horse pretty humanely. I mean, the meat the meat turned out real tender. Real there's tender. something fucked up about Edison that he just... There's something to electrocuting animals. He got off on it, I think. <laughs> hey, so uh, have we ever thought, you know, maybe we just don't kill them all? Get the fuck out of here. We're burning them alive. That's probably why they they split a partnership. Not ACDC, but like fucking Edison was like, you know what we should do? We should shock animals. And Edison Ed- Ed- was like, I'm not into that. And Edison's like, well, get the fuck out. Why are you? You know here? what? I, I really want to make Back in Black, but, but you know, like I, I'm pretty still pretty good with Highway to Hell, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's the ACDC we're talking about, right? Yeah. That, that, you're, you're on there. I feel right? like you're going to get there. Yeah. <laughs> The only way I relate to things is to make pop culture references. <laughs> <laughs> so it was also recommended that the state deal with electric chair or electrical chair executions instead of individual counties. So the state issues the death penalty. The medico legal or medico legal commission was set up to figure out the best method on how the electric uh, electricity was to be used for executions. The commission was made up of a panel of doctors since, oh, it was made up of a panel of doctors. Since animals were used as test subjects, the effects of the device on humans could not be anticipated with certainty. 3,000 watts of electricity were recommended to cause quick death. So they were Get, like, well, it pretty sure <laughs> killed person, but, you know. I, it, sure. it, I mean, should we, get, should we at least get a chimp in here? Thomas, yeah. sit down. God damn it. It smells like burnt hair all fucking day in here. Yeah. I, I so, mean, I got I got a couple bunnies in the back. Can we, can yeah, we can yeah. do those again? Fucking Edison, dude. He's probably like, all right, so we proved this on 30 or 40 chimps, but I think we need another 30 or 40 to figure this out. Like, <laughs> what, it, 
What is it with the, uh, we are out of chimps? Do I mean I could I could work with a spider monkey. I could work <laughs> with that. Yeah, we we can make the cap small enough to shock some fire. I, I got I got this little teeny tiny one for kids. I mean monkeys. Yeah, let, let's get some hamster here. We'll figure it out. Right. Hamsters are like little people, right? You just you know <laughs> you make it ten times bigger and you got a person. So let's right. <laughs> fucking Edis, God damn. Okay, <laughs> three okay three thousand watts kills somebody. The electric chair was highly controversial when it was first introduced and believed uh and the belief continued for almost a hundred years. <laughs> Why? <laughs> So, uh, capital punishment has many advocates and many critics. Lethal injection was in was replaced, uh, has replaced the electric chair since then. But in, in electric chair, in terms of preferred way of death, but it's still a choice in several states. Okay, so let's revisit our buddy. Okay, let's revisit Kemmler. They were about to flip the switch, so I'll go back. Kemmler was strapped in the two into the chair, and a metal. De- uh, Kemmler was strapped into the chair, and a medical device was put on his head, you know, normal. It was assumed that a 1,000 volts would be needed to induce unconsciousness and cause cardiac arrest, right? 3,000 watts. Oh, no, I'm not a fucking electrical engineer, right? But it sounds like 3,000 watts and uh, volts. I know it's different fucking watts is like the combination of two things and volts is something. I don't know. Anyways, they tried to figure it out by shocking animals. After 17 seconds at 1,000 volts, he was still alive. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, God. Unfortunately, he was still breathing, still alive, and it just caused unconscious. They were having to shock him again. However, <laughs> the generator used to shock Kemmler needed to recharge. Oh, no! <laughs> Kemmler had to stay in the chair for 30 extra minutes waiting. What? Fuck off. Okay, the next go around, right? Shock number two. 2,000 volts were applied. The second time, the blood vessels popped under the skin, and some claimed that he even caught fire. <laughs> well, I don't know what's happening. This never happened with any of the hamsters. Yeah, none of the horses did this. They just, they just died. Right. So remember, there's seven like in oh, the crowd. God. A nauseous smell filled the room and was described as smelling something like burning flesh. Go figure. <laughs> the execution was successful. Well, well, I dis- I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> but it did not work the way planned. Critics of the electric chair claimed that they were right, while the advocates argued that it was a new technology that needed further refinement. Um, hey, we got a couple bugs. Every beta test isn't perfect. <laughs> So the witnesses that watched the execution said that it was a horrific sight to behold. Now, these are people that probably went and saw fucking hangings. I mean, they still had public hangings. So when they're like, this shit was scary as fuck, (laughs) Uh a journalist that was in the crowd later uh, was quoted as saying they they may have been better uh, if they just used an act. (laughs) No, no shit, dude. (laughs) So that is the history of the electric chair and its first exit. Oh my god. Like it is always mind-boggling to me that we how many different ways we've invented to just kill people. <laughs> like why do we keep coming up with new ones? We have all these old ones that work. Yeah. Yeah, let's I mean firing, <laughs> Holy the, shit. The firing squad seems kind of an interesting one. You give one dude real bullet, everybody else gets blanks and then fucking bloop, you just don't know who does it. But. Dude, I re- I read somewhere it was where the, I can't remember where I heard it, but um, firing squad was still a cho- it was a choice uh, I think in Utah 
that uh, if a prisoner was on death row, they could choose how they wanted to be killed, and firing squad was still a fucking option to, like, the 90s. Look, look, here's the thing, dude. I, I am not a proponent of the death penalty. I mean... There's two. If one if one innocent dude goes down, right? That's one innocent dude too many. Like I'm just right. that. That's my personal belief. And I mean, look, you saw how fast Kebler was friggin'. It took him like a month and a half, and they were like, okay, from hey, you got pulled in, yeah, you killed your mom. Oh, okay, cool. Hey, let's uh, let's kill you a month later. Like, let's right. do this. <laughs> so that's a. I mean, maybe it was an open and shut case, but goddamn, like 1890. I don't even think they had fingerprinting yet. Yeah, no, there, there, there was no, no, it was basically, he had to have been caught with the axe in his fucking hand. Dude, he, he might have just done it in a public spot. Like, he just rolled out and <laughs> we, don't, like, we don't know. We don't know. Anyways, he got, he, he got roasted. Oh my god. Well, that's your story number two, Joe. Gee, thanks, Alex. <laughs> You're so welcome. <laughs> Uh, okay, story number three. Are you ready? Are you? you fuck, I don't. In? I don't know, man. Maybe not. Holy shit, <laughs> dude! Wild ride. All right, story <laughs> number three. Story fucking number three. Here we go. In 1834. Oh god, getting older. Years ago, it's getting older. It's going. There were uh, where the nationwide arena sits today. The Ohio Penitentiary opened its doors for the first time to the guilty and incarcerated. A stoic dull brown building spread across 22 acres of land and it was an unsightly beige blight right next to the heart of the city so it died sorry i'm putting a little context back here it wasn't 1834 when this happened this is just the penitentiary right for decades the damned and unlucky now keep keep in mind this is where nationwide arenas today they fucking knocked this shit down and put this on top it was you know fucking bonkers for decades the damned and unlucky found their way behind its iron bars the whole building and every prisoner that ever crossed its gates seemed cursed with a troubled and sordid past in 1849 well well it it is a prison so i mean yeah it doesn't (laughs) yeah it got me there oh people in prison have a dark past ah something to write about (laughs) in 1849 a cholera epidemic swept through the jail killing 121 convicts it was also a host to several riots did they did did, did, they were anti-maskers weren't they Mm. very much anti-mask prisoner (laughs) i'm not even sure if masks were invented yet to be honest they were just (laughs) so i think society was (laughs) anti-mask so it it was also hosted several riots one on halloween in 1931 and another on august 1968 holy cow this place was open for a a long time yeah this is an old ass prison get this in the 1950s a virologist by the name of chester southam or south Southam, Southam, whatever, injected live HeLa cancer cells into several inmates to see if they could develop an immune response to cancer. What? Yep. The scientists later admitted that they were aware of the possibility that the subjects could develop the disease themselves. It was quite aware of the possibility that the subjects... Oh, sorry. It was quite the controversy and raised questions as to the ethics of informed consent and of non-maleficent um, malfeasance or the mm-hmm. consideration of possible harm that might be done as opposed to doing nothing at all right give them cancer they don't do shit right they just have cancer over the- <laughs> you know just hanging out it was this is this is a got a freaking bonkers history over the over the period or uh sorry over time the prison grew a brutal and primitive reputation in 1893 the superintendent wrote 
10,000 pages of history of the Ohio penitentiary would not give one idea of the inward wretchedness of its 1,900 inmates. The unwritten history is known only by God himself. So, essentially, the people that are running this shit are ass. They're just like, everybody in here is a piece of shit, essentially. Like, it's it, the sounded worst like the worst it sounds like Thomas Edison should have gone to this prison. To- <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Uh, I'm pretty sure he could have really perfected that whole electrocution thing here. <laughs> uh, dude, fucking serial killer, right? It's only a matter of time. You brutalize animals, and he's just like, I'm not getting the rush. I need to kill somebody. <laughs> Thomas Edison's like, yeah, let's go to a prison. There, I heard they're injecting people with cancer there. I mean, shocking them a couple times, probably more. Uh, we could totally get away with it. <laughs> what, what if we sh- Can we shock the cancer out of them? Yep, that's what he is. First you get the cancer, and then he's like, we're trying to figure out if we could shock the cancer. Right. <laughs> no, that's exactly what he did. <laughs> Despite the prison's entire dreadful existence, there is a day of tragedy that stands apart from the rest. Oh, buddy. This, this is where our story begins. On April 21st, 1930, while construction crews were building an expansion of one of its buildings, a fire broke out on the scaffold. A, a blaze quickly encompassed the compound, and the pandemonium let loose on some 800 inmates locked in their cells. So light, lighthearted? Uh, just fucking, yeah. 800 inmates were like, hey guys, there's a fucking fire. <laughs> A blaze quickly encompassed uh, uh, the compound. Oh, wait, no, sorry. I already read that. Desperate screams from the smoke-filled lungs echoed the corridors, but their anguish fell on deaf ears. The guards refused to free them. Instead, uh, they condemned them to die. Weighing their lives is unworthy, not just for salvation, but for basic mercy. (laughs) Soon, the local battalion of 500 armed soldiers set up machine guns, and loaded rifles leveled at the inmates in warning. Not one of these men helped them escape. What? Fire broke out. They were like, (laughs) let's fucking just see how this plays out. They're trying to put out this fire. These inmates stay inside. And in order to prevent them from running away, they set up armed soldiers with machine guns and rifles ready to mow down anybody that's running for their life. Hey, it was also for mercy. Okay, I think we're being a little unfair (laughs) I mean, in in <laughs> let's be honest here, they might as well have had like electric guns. Edison set them up with the electric guns, <laughs> shoots electric laser beams at them. They're it shocks the cancer that they already have it. Right, fucking. <laughs> so okay, so if it hadn't been known before, it quickly became clear to the inmates that they were. Uh, oh, inmates just where they stood in society. Society. That a system built for rehabilitation served as only a cautionary tale for the rest of the outside world. They could be used as sort of a moral compass to guide their fellow man and whom not on, on whom not to become. So they used this as like an example, right? That's how fucked up this is. They used this burning of the penitentiary as kind of like righteous, righteous like fury. It's fucking bonkers. You still there? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. oh yeah. No, I'm I'm hanging on, buddy. <laughs> okay, it's it's fucking somber right now. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll cut that. <laughs> A handful that uh, of the few that managed to escape being locked in overpowered a guard so a good start the good ones start. that got away overpowered a guard stealing his keys and dashing back into the flames they unlocked as many cells as they could and as they went along the other inmates helped carry the injured 
attempting to put out the flames and saving as many as they could. So these motherfuckers lock these guys in the cell. The inmates, who are supposed to be the bad guys, right? And many <laughs> of them have done probably pretty fucking heinous, right? So not, not great. But overpowered a guard, stole his keys. I don't know if the guard died. Probably not. But overpowered the guard, stole the keys, started letting everybody out of the cells, started trying to put out the fires and carrying injured people out. <laughs> another man, another man, Charles Himes, was also a prisoner during that time. An East High School graduate and one-time OSU student, Himes dropped out of school due to what he saw as an elitism and racial prejudice. Soon he fell in with a bad crowd and found himself sentenced for armed robbery. Right, robbed a sh- he robbed some shit and ended up in jail. I mean, pretty standard. Himes bore witness to the atrocities and the comp- and compassion the day of the fire and wrote this: the sights of convicts who were in for murder and rape and arson, who had shot down policemen in dark alleys, who had snatched pocketbooks and run, who had stolen automobiles and forged checks, who had mutilated women, carved their torsos into separate into separate arms and legs and heads oh and packed them into trunks. Yeah, this guy is getting fucking poetic. Now working overtime at their jobs of uh, being heroes, moving through the smoke with reckless haste to save someone, some other bastard's worthless life. White faces gleaming with sweat, streaked with soot, white teeth flashing in the greased black faces, or in the greasy black faces, all working like madmen at being heroes, some laughing with... Uh, some laughing, some psalm, some hysterically hysterical, drunk from their mom- uh, momentary freedom, drunk from being brave for once in their cowardly lives. Whoa. <laughs> that, yeah, he he took it up. He got real with shit. <laughs> oh my God. I don't, I, I don't know how to feel right now. <laughs> Himes wrote that whilst he served out a sentence in the Ohio Penitentiary and when it was published in Esquire magazine, he had named the piece To What Red Hell? a seemingly appropriate title for the blaze that took the lives of 322 inmates. It was the worst prison fire in the history of the United States or uh, in the world. I'm sorry. It was the worst prison fire in world history until a fire in Honduras prison took the lives of 356. That was in 2012. That is not a record you want to set. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's bad. So in the fallout, of the prison fire determined that overcrowding was to blame. Though it was built to hold 1,500 inmates at one time, the fi- uh, during the time of the fire, it held 4,300. Whoa, that, that uh, I'm not great at math, but I think that's a bigger number. It's it's a little it's a little bigger, yeah. <laughs> the Ohio Patrol Board, or par- I'm sorry, the Ohio Parole Board was formed almost immediately after, and regulations were put in place to curb jail numbers. Such as repealing minimum sentence. So, so, so prisons fixed. Yeah, done. And then they fucking demolished it, and that's now a, a stadium. So we're good. It's fine. It's, it's fine. This is fine. So yeah, <laughs> fucking fire broke out. Eight hundred and twenty-two or three hundred and twenty-two inmates were dead. Oh man, it is the second worst fire in world history. The only one that was worse was in Honduras, and that only killed what three hundred thirty-four extra people, which is a lot, but. It took them like almost a hundred years to do that again. <laughs> it took them as if people were trying. Like, yeah. God damn it. God damn it. America keeps holding on to this record. Oh, come on, guys. We got to We got to figure this out. The last one only burned 150 people. I mean, we really got to step this one up. 
God. So overcrowding and just shitty prison conditions led to fucking bonkers. Well, there you have it, Joe. So you got you got your three stories. Mull them over. Figure it out. Right? I, I think I think I'm going to be doing nothing but mulling them over for the next God. week and a half. I know. Oh. Seriously, you're like God mostly damn. at night. Mostly at night, screaming. Oh God. <laughs> It is nightmare fuel if you think about God. Think about that. Carrying, putting prisoners back in their cells while this is fucking going on and setting up armed guards to make sure they don't run away. God. (laughs) Jesus. So let's recap and then I want to hear what you get your responses. See if I can stump. Okay. So first up, we'll recap the first story. Marshall Fitzpatrick, the baker who escaped. (laughs) Oh, oh, those innocent, sweet, sweet, innocent times. Yeah. When we were. Just making fun of drunk Irish people. Yeah. Oh, man. I remember those. So fond. Oh, remember remember when he was set up for murder? <laughs> <laughs> yes. The little baker who... <laughs> 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 All right. So, man convicted of murder in prison, right? Just to justify renovating the minimum security prison to a max. What do you think? Is this true or is this a legend? Oh, see, they, they all kind of feel like they were. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're like, uh, shit, this is a real episode. Shit gets real. Like, if this, <laughs> if this isn't true, you know that somewhere down the road, there is a story that's like this. So that's why all these stories are hard. Right, yeah, no, it definitely feels like every single one pr- could be true. <laughs> like, right. Which is the sad thing. Um, but I think, uh, <clears throat> I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna throw this one out there. I think this one's false. So this one is false. Ooh. There was no Marshall Fitzpatrick. <clears throat> oh, Sorry, Joe. Oh, <laughs> oh, the the one thing I actually thought was probably true about that. <laughs> <laughs> yep, everybody is fake. The prisons are real, though, so... There is a minimum security prison out there that uh, is a minimum security prison. So that's the only true part. <laughs> <laughs> even even Francis Mamosh, the great escape artist. That was fake. a good one. That was a good name. <laughs> yeah, I figured that one out. I was like, that is a pretty good escape artist name. Oh, hey, Alex, your uh, your microphone keeps. I keep getting um, uh, feedback. Uh, yeah, yeah. How's this? Sounds like it keeps like I don't know if there's like a loose cord or something. I keep getting like a uh, white noise. Are you, is it still there? Yeah, here you go. Uh, oh, is this better or is it worse? Uh, no, yeah, so far so good. Okay, cool. All right, so then you got the first one. Good job. You're at 100% right now. <laughs> Only downhill from here. Yeah. Okay, so next up, the history of the electric. All right, the first electric chair victim, Kemmler, right? And Edison shocking the shit out of, like, horses and hamsters and all the other animals out there right it's i mean this one's filled with so many details that i'm pretty sure are true uh but i want to go say i want to say true this one is true good job yeah no edison really (laughs) edison really shocked the shit out of animals and then funded some (laughs) dude to make an electric chair so he could shock the shit out of people like that's true story god damn (laughs) all right last up is ohio penitentiary fire right all this crazy shady shit happened Right. Frickin' beatings, mutilations, corruption, injecting fucking cancer cells into these guys, shocking Haunted the cancer cells. Stadium. Haunt, yeah, the lives of three hundred inmates in one day, right? Guards locking them back in. Shit be bonker. Okay. What do you think think this story really happened or not? Oh in my heart of hearts, I I believe this one's probably true. <laughs> Is that your final answer? Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, this is true. <laughs> oh, God. God damn. You had 100% this time. Like, holy... uh, I feel bad. <laughs> you feel dirty, right? <laughs> oh, God, a little bit. I was really hoping for a, 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 a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, no, no. All no, I got really... a, a fake, a fake Irishman. <laughs> That's all you get this week, dude. (laughs) All right. And that was this week's Allegedly podcast. Uh, Join us next week for more stories and join us every Monday. Uh, Thanks for listening. And yep. (laughs)